Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Call-In Church and uh, another edition of This Is Your Stage. It's started by Brother Stephen Gagney. I'm Reverend Dennis Fender from Temple, Texas. I'll be your host tonight. And uh, if you're listening with us here on the second day of March 2024 live, God bless you. Thank you for coming. I know you're going to be blessed tonight. And if you're listening at some time in the future, God's Word is alive. It is never-ending. It is without fault. It will never fail us. So at whatever time in the future you may hear this message, you can believe in your heart when you start the recording, start listening to the playback, that it is a timely message for you as well. As we always do, let's just take a moment to prepare our hearts for the Lord. Heavenly Father, we humbly bow in your presence tonight with hearts of thanksgiving. Your word tells us to come into your courts with praise and thanksgiving. Your word also tells us that you inhabit the praises of your children. Lord, we praise you tonight. We thank you and praise you. We give you all glory and honor, Father, for loving us. Father, for your grace and your mercy that was fresh and new this morning. Father, for your provision, your protection. Lord, we just thank and praise you for the Holy Spirit, Father, and how you comfort us and how you lead us, Father. Thank you for your written word, Father, that we can study and, and come to know you in a much stronger faith than we have yesterday. Father, thank you for the hope that's in us, Christ, the hope of glory living in us. We thank you, Lord, that he is our power and our strength when we face trials and tribulations in this world. Whereas we look into your word tonight, Father, we bind every hindrance, every distraction that would come against your word and your message tonight, Father. And I pray, God, that you'd open our ears that we may hear clearly what you and the Holy Spirit would say to us tonight. Let us take these words with us through this next week, Lord God, that we may be the lights, the beacons, the salt, the flavoring in this dark and dying world. And we give you all praise and glory for all you're going to do in us, through us, and for us, in Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to you, Lord. I know we have many prayer requests on our minds. Uh, I've just been at a funeral with family members, and of course, we've been praying for that family all day. But, you know, it's one thing when, a, when you lose a matriarch of the family, and this was a matriarch. This lady today was 99-plus years old, six months away from being 100. And she even said, you know, I don't care about that. I don't even want to live to be 100. I'm ready to go home and be with my Jesus now. So it's, it's, it's an awesome, wonderful thing. The Bible says more blessed is the death of a saint than the day of his birth. The Bible tells us all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices when a saint comes home. We thank and praise you for that tonight, Father. So tonight we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. We're just going to look at the first three verses here in our message tonight. Let me grab my tissue and I got myself weeping. I'm not ashamed of my tears. I love these tears. They are uh, what keeps me going. Sometimes I get a little overwhelmed with uh, with things. And boy, I tell you what, tears are just pressure ducts. It let the pressure out. Um <laughs> I wrote a song a while back called Tears Are Just Words We Don't Know How to Say. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that. But tonight we're going to talk about um, a subject that's very near to God. It's, it's, the subject matter is about coming to God and knowing God in such a rich and full 
meaningful relationship with him, that we devote ourselves to him humbly. And in my Bible, and I will be reading tonight from my Life in the Spirit study Bible, it's the King James Version, it's printed by Zondervan. There's a subtitle to this chapter called Determine Not to Sin. Determine not to sin. What, you mean I can actually determine that I'm not going to sin? Sure you can. Sure I can. I can say I'm not going to, excuse me, I am not going to do that. There's times we need to draw lines and say, you know, there's the, you know, one of the things about this world, I'm just going to talk a moment about the world. One of the things that seems to be going on in the world around us is there is a spirit of argumentation going on. People just, just for no reason, sometimes at the very slightest and smallest, most insignificant thing, just fly off the handle and want to become confrontational and argumentative. But in, in that moment, in that moment, we must choose. We must choose how we're going to react, how we're going to respond to that. We need to remain godly at all times. And that's somewhat what this is. So let's read the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. For as much then as Christ, has, Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his life in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. That pretty much just... Uh, Lays it all on the line, doesn't it? Lasciviousness, what's that? Well, that means pretty much just out of control. You just have no, you have no breaks, you know? <laughs> I, uh, I've told some people sometimes that uh, come and say, well, you know, I just say things, uh, it, it just, I just blurt it right out. I just can't stop it. And I, well, that's called lasciviousness. You have no, no control over that. And you need to have a control over that. If nothing else, put your hand over your mouth when you think that moment's coming. Just literally put your hand over your mouth and make like you're scratching your nose. And if you feel it coming up, close it. Zip it. Put a sock in it. You know? Stop it. But, you know, lusts. What do we crave? What, what is it we crave? Is God what we crave? We crave it. God needs to be our focus, what we are truly craving his presence we just absolutely adore his presence we want to be in his presence and bask in his presence but yeah there's things that we we lust after for some it's money for some it's alcohol drugs even sex and, and some just lasciviousness revelings banquetings oh my you know that revelings is one thing to you know go about just uh I call it uh, a guy with a chip on his shoulder, someone who's very outspoken. He just won't be quiet. Just won't be quiet. I have people in my life that I associate with, and I have told my wife time and time again, the problem with that person right there is you stop and think about it. The problem is not that they won't be quiet. They won't shut up. The problem is they have no humility. 
there's no humility in their life. They can't be quiet because nothing embarrasses them. They're not ashamed or they don't care if they offend you by, by them just on and on and on. They'll sit down at the table, take over the conversation, and talk loud enough that everybody at the other end of the room is going to pay attention to them. Oh, I just despise being in situations like that. And then all an abominable idolatries. But what does he say? Um, first of all, let's go back up to the top. Okay, he who hath suffered. Hmm. It's very simple to understand this. Those who willingly suffer. What does that mean? That means I deny myself. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he told his disciples, wait here and pray. And he went off by himself and he prayed and he come back and they were asleep. I mean, and they were awake. And he said, oh, no, I'm sorry, they were asleep. And he said, what, you couldn't stay awake and watch, you know, for one hour? Well, he kind of woke him up and he goes back and praying again. Well, he comes back to sleep again. What did he tell them? He told them to pray because the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing to do the will of God. The spirit is willing to be a Christian. The spirit is willing to walk in faith and be humble and act a Christian in godly, righteous manner. But the flesh ain't. The flesh ain't. But suffering means we deny ourselves. By what? By fasting? By prayer? By literally sometimes just isolating ourselves, getting, getting away from everyone like Jesus did. When Jesus wanted to pray to the Father, what did he do? He went off by himself. And sometimes we just need to go for a walk. It don't matter if you take the dog with you. That's okay. But we need to get away from the television, get away from the telephone, get away from naysayers, people around us, especially if they're non-believers. And I'm talking, yes, even family members who don't follow the faith like we do. You have to get away from them, right? Because here's the, here's, the, yeah, here's the benefit of this. If we willingly suffer for the cause of Christ, we will always find it easier to resist sin and follow God's will. That's the bottom line. Resist all this that the world's throwing at us, all this that our flesh wants to do. You know, if the old man is dead, as the song says, I don't go there anymore. The old man is dead. The new man's here now, right? We're raised in the newness of life. So if, if we're to say that we're willingly suffering for the cause of Christ, we are uniting ourselves with Christ, and we share in his cross. So when we do this, you know, without us really noticing it happening, there's a change that happens in us. There's a change that takes place in us. And the change is, is that the pulling, the drawing of sin, of whatever it is that, that may be after us, is just weaker and weaker and weaker to the point that soon enough it becomes insignificant. And the will of God becomes our primary focus. It becomes just paramount to us. Oh, we're overwhelmed with the will of God. I need to act Christian. I need to act godly. The Bible tells us to be holy because he is holy. Be righteous because he is holy. Does the mind of Christ rest in us? This is what, 
this is all talking about. This, you know, this spiritual principle will work in our lives. Obeying God, even when it means suffering. What? Well, here's another thing to think about. Ridicule and rejection. There are people that's going to laugh at us because we don't want to go to the bar with them. There's people going to laugh at us because we say, no, excuse me, I really don't want to hear the joke because I know the jokes that you tell. They're either sexist or racist or they're profane and they're ugly. And I, I just don't want to be a part of that. And you turn and walk away from them. Now they're going to laugh at you. Now they're going to ridicule you. They're going to mock you. Okay, okay. You know, that's on them. We don't recompense for that. God takes care of that. God fights that battle for us, amen? So when we have ridicule and rejection, God strengthens us morally. He strengthens us spiritually. And we will receive a greater abundance of grace. Remember grace? Mm. God's power, strength, and ability imparted to born-again believers by the Holy Spirit, enabling us to do God's perfect and pleasing will. When we follow righteousness and we say, no, we're not going to be a part of this, abundance of grace is added to us. So let's just read those scriptures one more time. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his life in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walk in, and I'm reading from a different version here, this is for the lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. So, what weapon? What weapon? Does he say we possess to fight? This the writer here is Peter. Peter knew a little bit about fighting, didn't he? I would I would say yeah, he did. What weapon does he say we possess? Well, let me tell you real clearly. We have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. You see, Paul fought against um, the people who were dis disunity, if you will. They they were just could not get it all together. Too many believe this way, too many believe that way, and it just wouldn't come together. He fought that at, at Corinth and, and came to the same conclusion. If you go over and read, you may just jot this down. I'm not going to read it for you, but jot this down, 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have access to the same mind that, pre that prepared for and resisted the same, these temptations of Satan and the devil for 40 days. That same mind in Christ, it's ours to access if we only will. And that's the problem. <laughs> My associate pastor, we call him Brother Clicker, Brother Carl, we, uh, he used to say, if we, then he. If we, then he. But you see, Peter plainly says here in chapter 4, verse 1, if we truly arm ourselves with such a mind, we will cease sinning. It means we will cease we will cease sinning so easily. Let me put it to you like that, so easily. The Bible tells us to lay forth, lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Sin knocks us off course, amen? So we must ask ourselves if we have truly committed ourselves to the task of recognizing and fighting the evil that's in us. Yeah, we've been born again. 
Our spirit's been born again, born of the spirit and of the water, but our flesh isn't. Our flesh still has them same old I want to's that we used to have, and that's the daily fight that we're in, right? Peter says we should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh. So, well, let's say, put it another, put another way, are we committed, a question, are we committed to stamping out our carnal natures? When when Jesus said, take up thy cross and follow me, sometimes the old man that was buried in the baptism and me raised in the newness of life gets up out of the grave and comes back. Sometimes he comes back. Well, when he does, I put him on a cross. I have to put him on a cross. Amen? have to put him on a cross. Are we committed to stamping out our carnal natures? Um, more positively, say, have we committed ourselves to live the life of Christ and do the will of God? Have we committed ourselves to, say, the other side of the coin, right? Are we still reserving the right to enjoy mm, a little evil on occasion? Each and every one of us have to answer that for ourselves. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Bible is very clear about what sin is. There's uh, various places, and I've written some notes in the back of my Bible here about places where, uh, I, think it, I think it's this Bible, it may not be correct, but I think it's this Bible, it may not be, it may be in my Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I think it is. But I'm looking here one second. No, it's right here. First John five seventeen. The Bible says sin is all unrighteousness is sin. First John three four, transgression of the law is sin. First John three and eight says sin is of the devil. Of the devil. Mm. The devil was called a liar, and not only a liar but the father of lies. Amen. I have a note out here in the margin of my Bible I wrote down some time ago, and um, I did not look it up tonight, but when I came to this here, I saw it. And you may write this down for just a little something else to look up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. Something just to look at, too. So over in Hebrews... 12.1, Paul says that we need to lay aside every weight that besets us. What's that mean? Well, it throws us back. We need to throw it off. Because why? But we are staring down the end of time. It's crunch time for us. Peter is providing us with two major pieces of counsel. If you look over in verse 7, he writes, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Hmm. He's attempting to rouse us with some real hard, cold reality. We don't have time to indulge our desires, right? We need to return to Christ and stay with Christ, period. I mean, the end of the age is near. Judgment is almost upon us. In fact, the way things are going, I'm thinking judgment's kind of happening around the world right now. God's just real sick and tired of being ignored, being put aside, being told that, you know, we don't care anything about you. God's tired of it. Why do we dilly-dally? Why do we dilly-dally? It's time to be serious. The second piece of advice here, if you look over to uh, verse 19, if you're still turned there, 
I'll just read that to you. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. He is faithful. Down through 17 and 18 here, the Apostle Peter here has warned us that we, will, that we could be scarcely saved by the skin of our teeth, as it were. Well, it will happen not because of any righteousness we possess, but because of God's grace. Not because of anything we've done, but because... We've done nothing to earn or to, to come about to our salvation, to, to bring about our salvation, other than adhere to God's plan of salvation. And Jesus said what? That you must be born of the Spirit and of the water. And what's that talking about? Born again in your spirit and being baptized. Amen? We're not going to get into that tonight because that starts arguments with people. There's people that don't understand that. We must understand this, and we've got to be thankful for it. But, you know, this is just to motivate us to make the utmost effort to please our Heavenly Father. Our righteousness, we know this, is never going to be good enough for our salvation. But because of his gracious, righteous love for us, he is the righteous judge who's watching and keeping records. And, you know, we're bound we're bound, we're duty-bound to, to make it our mission to cooperate with him, to be transformed into his image, into his likeness. So Peter says we've got to dedicate our lives in doing good. We know that God's faithful, and we know that God will save us despite ourselves, but we still must show him that we're serious about living his way of life. So let's just... Let me just lay this on your lap here in closing. As Christians, as Christians, as children of Almighty God, we're engaged in this two-pronged maneuver, if you will. One, destroy the evil within ourselves. And two, replace all of that with acts of goodness. Oh, my. Quit acting a fool. Quit acting like we can because we're under the dispensation of grace. So many people today feel like, well, it's all right if I go down to the bar and have a few beers. Well, it may be all right. You know, everything is legal for us to do, if you will, is what the Bible says, but it's not profitable. Why would you want to do that? Isn't the bars where fights break out, where the ideas of committing adultery and going home with somebody you ain't married to comes along? Oh, my goodness. All kind of things come at us when we go in there and just just open ourselves up and say, here I am, devil beat on me for a little while. Just use me any way you want to. No, we've got to get rid of that. We've got to stop that. Destroy the evil within ourselves and replace it with acts of goodness. Instead of letting those desires that we used to live in and live with and even, I'll say, act upon, Instead of doing that now today, what? If you find yourself in that position, pray for somebody. Every single one of us knows at least one person that we could pray for no matter what time of day it is, even if we don't know if something bad's going on or if not. But maybe it's just somebody that we know in our life that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that does not have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we know in our heart of hearts that if they died in an automobile accident tomorrow morning going to work, 
they would bust the gates of hell wide open because of their lifestyle. Amen? If you don't pray for anybody else, pray for that person. Especially pray for that person. But, you know, this assault that the devil is on is the same assault that we're on, right? We're on this assault, and it begins with us. It begins with the realization that evil will always be there. It's always going to be there until the end of age, until Christ puts all of this under his feet and rules and rules all, all of the world. And when I say world, I'm talking about ever how many universes they think there are, ever how many galaxies they think there are. I'm just going to put all that in one basket and call it the world. And one day, God says he's going to make the world. It's all going to come together as one, the world. Jesus' footstool. Hallelujah. God's going to intervene in our lives as long as we let him do. As long as we've got this germ of good, as we've got this seed of good in us that's ready to grow with his continued help, with his continued help, we can nurture all of our ills to right into our eternal life by them being dissolved and the will of God taking its place for those desires. And that's what my prayer is tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are God of all heaven and earth, all of creation. I thank you tonight, Father, that you're sovereign. I thank you that you're holy and righteous as an example for us to follow. You gave us your son, Jesus, who died the spotless lamb on the cross, became our redeemer, our propitiation, paid the debt that we could never pay, a debt he didn't know, but he gave his life, shed his life's blood on the cross of Calvary that we might be reconciled unto you, forgiven. Father, we thank you tonight for your love. Oh, we praise you, Father. We thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Father, may these words tonight, may they just ring in, in our hearts, Lord, as we fight and struggle to maintain our battle, to maintain our place in your kingdom. God, I thank and praise you that you strengthen us every day. Give us the tools that we need. Father, if anyone needs a baptism of the Holy Spirit, your word tells us that when we receive Christ, as he has gone and prepared a place for us, he said that you would send the comforter. You couldn't send the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to lead us into all truth until Christ had been glorified and went to be with you. He's sitting today alive and well at your right hand. But I pray, God, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and to fill up people's toolboxes with every spiritual gift that needs to be used in the church today. I pray, God, tonight for the fivefold ministry as we leave here tonight. Bless all those, Father, that's on the front lines. Bless those, Father, that are suffering and being persecuted tonight for the cause of Christ. Those that are being driven from their homes, those that are being killed and martyred because they won't deny God and they won't deny Christ. Lord, we thank and we praise you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And we bless you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. I truly hope that you've been blessed. And as you leave here after this recording, go with God. Good night.